Welcome to She Takes on Corporate, the podcast that empowers females to explore their untapped potential and drive their careers forward. You're joining your hosts, Nicole and Amandeep. Welcome to today's episode. Before we get into it, if you have enjoyed listening to our podcast episode so far, please follow and give us a rating on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It helps out a lot. So today we're going to be talking about a formula that can be followed to increase your likelihood of promotion and progressing your career. But before we get into that, we're going to jump to our quick productivity hack. The two minute rule is a productivity hack by David Allen from his book, Getting Things Done. So this rule suggests that if there's a task that can be completed within two minutes, do it straight away instead of adding it to your to-do list and postponing it for later. So these are things like responding to your emails, booking appointments, making your bed. These can be all done within two minutes. And the idea behind this rule is to get through each task straight away to stop them from piling up later on and coming in the way of you being productive. And if you're time blocking, use the gaps between each task and get in those quick wins then. This will really help you make the most of your time. Okay, so now moving on to today's episode. I'm really excited about this one because I feel like in school, especially like as young girls, we're always taught that the way we need to be successful is to work hard and that's all you need, right? If you're a high Mm. performer and you just work really hard, you'll be successful no matter what. And of course, we do need to work hard to get to where we want to, but today's episode is going to show you that performance is actually only a small piece of the equation. So today we'll be talking about the PIE formula, P-I-E, which is a concept that was created by Harvey Coleman. Um, And you can actually read his book on Google and we'll leave a link in the description to the preview. But luckily for you guys, we have read the book so that you don't have to. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited for uh, today's episode and, you know, learning about different factors that make up our career. So regardless of where you are in your career, I think understanding this formula will save you from so much stress. Mm. Um, If there's like one episode I would recommend to anyone from She Takes On Corporate Podcast, it is this episode. So I think you would probably want to get your pen and paper out because this is going to be a really good episode. Yeah, the entire premise of this episode is how to work smart while I guess still working hard, but working smarter. Yeah. (laughs) So we love our statistics. So here is a quick stat for you. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) A report called Woman in the Workplace 2020 showed that women receive fewer promotions than men at almost every career level and women are 18% less likely to be promoted to the next level compared to their male counterparts. Hmm. I think it goes to show that even today there are still so many barriers women face Mm -hmm. when it comes to their career progression and this is why it's really important to have these conversations. So I think the more we focus on what we're doing to equip ourselves with the right tools for a career, right? We can avoid being part of this future stat. Yeah, absolutely. I think like while the stats are scary, it's something that 
we can't by ourselves change so we can focus on the tools and resources and having this discussion so that we can actually make a difference for ourselves Mm. okay so let's get into it so if you think of a literal pie cut out a little 10% slice and this is going to be your performance or the P of the pie Next, we're going to cut out a 30% slice, which is image or the eye of the pie. And lastly, there's 60% remaining, which is exposure or the E of the pie. So let's get started with performance first. As I just said, performance only makes up 10% of the pie, according to Harvey's concept. But this absolutely does not mean that it's not important. I think we have to think of it as though good performance is kind of the baseline if you're going for a promotion or going for a new role, right? It's like expected that anyone doing that will be performing well. Mm. So it should just be assumed that you're a good performer. Yeah, I agree that if you're not performing well in your role and you're not delivering good work, there's no point in looking at other parts of the pie. But performance alone will also not get you where you want to be in your career. So so I'm not surprised that performance is only 10% because it's considered as like the baseline of everything. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, when we first heard about the concept, I remember we were both a bit confused because we were like, only 10%, mm. like, isn't performance important? But as you read the book, Harvey explains that it's kind of just expected already that you're, you can do your job. Mm. And then it's like, okay, if anyone going for the role of the promotion are all good performers, then what's setting you apart? What's differentiating you from the rest? And that's where your image and exposure comes in. Hmm. Like you have to remember that you're literally surrounded by some of the most smartest, amazing, hardworking Mm. people in your organization. And everyone is performing well, you know? And when you start looking at like other positions moving up the ladder or if it's just trying to move into a different role right like everyone around you is going to be equally good or better yeah so you need to you know figure out a way to set yourself apart from the rest and not fully rely on your performance by itself yeah so in terms of performance Harvey breaks it down into three sections which are first your performance plan second your actual performance, Mm. and third, your performance review. So the first is to have your performance plan in place with your manager. And for those of you who haven't done one of these or maybe your company doesn't actually do them, a performance plan is essentially just sitting down and looking at what your key metrics or the expectations of you are in the role, setting out goals, and then looking at the steps you're going to take to reach those goals. So it's essentially like your career plan, I guess. Mm. Now, we will get into this topic in more detail in a later episode this season, and we are going to be putting together a template that you can use if your company doesn't already provide one. So the second step is to perform well, which I guess is kind of obvious. Um, And that's all about making sure when you do your performance plan, you're actually frequently revisiting those goals and Mm. it's not just something you write and then set aside and never look at again. And the other thing Amadeep and I, we both like to do is making sure we have regular catch-ups with our manager and our mentors and discussing how we're progressing towards those goals, whether that's weekly, monthly or whatever works for you. 
And the third is your performance review. So we have done a whole episode on this already, which is episode number five. But I think the key, the key point I want to make here is that even if your company doesn't do a, a formal performance review, you can still be proactive and ask your manager to set up time to discuss your goals and discuss how you've been performing and what the expectations are. Mm. A lot of the times grads feel quite intimidated at setting mm. up one-on-ones with managers because they feel like they're just wasting their time. They haven't produced any work. But in reality, like for you to start building up your performance, you need to start having those conversations so you can figure out what's expected of you and as a grad, how, how you should be performing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is a point that I want to highlight when it comes to, you know, the performance part of Pi, is that some roles are just not worth fighting for. And if the workplace culture is really toxic and you know it's not going to get any better, like, I just think it's not worth going through all of this. Like, if the company culture doesn't align with your goals, then I would personally just get a new job. Like, it's not benefiting you or the company at that stage. And by staying, you're just going to end up digging yourself a hole and you're just going to get so frustrated with the work you're producing. And it's just going to affect all areas. And, like, I just don't think that it's worth ruining your mental health for. Yeah, I think it is really important to point out that your performance isn't all on you. Like you do need that support system around you, whether that's your manager, your team, your mentors. And if your company doesn't value similar things to you, it doesn't recognize the hard work that you do, it is going to be really hard to stay driven and continue to perform well. Mm. It, It goes both ways, right? Yeah. So now if we just assume that good performance is kind of the baseline, It's when we get into image and exposure, when we start to differentiate ourselves from everyone else. So I kind of like to think about the scenario where if everyone in the team performs at the same level, what is it that makes you stand out? Mm, Exactly. Like, what is it about you that they should pick you, right? Because they've got five candidates that can perform at the same level. So what is it about you? So according to Harvey's concept, your image accounts for 30% of the pie. And when we say image, we're Mm. talking about your personal brand, um, what you're known for in the office, what people think of you when they hear your Mm. name. And we do have a whole episode already on how to build an authentic personal brand in corporate, which is episode number three. So if you haven't listened to that already, I would recommend it. And that goes through step by step on how to build your brand. But because Amandeep is the queen of personal (laughs) brands, could you give us a quick summary of how to do that? Of course. (laughs) So your personal brand or image is the first thing someone thinks about when they hear your name. Are you known as the person with good communication skills? Are you known as the person that's like super proactive? Are you known as the person... That's just tired all the time, right? So that all links to your personal brand. And whether you like it or not, your personal brand creates your image before you even speak. So it's the impression that people already have of you. And the easiest and the quickest way to figure out what your personal brand is, 
is by understanding what words people associate with you when your name pops up. So if you're happy with the way you're being described, slay. Keep doing that. Slay go. <laughs> and if not, yeah, just have a listen to our personal brand episode and that should really break down the steps for you. Yeah, I think my favorite point you made in that episode was that whether you like it or not, everyone has a personal brand. And if you're not proactive about what you want your personal brand to be, people are just going to jump to assumptions and use stereotypes to understand who you are. Mm. So it's like, why would you not want to be proactive about that and think about the things that you want to be known for? Mm. It's your brand. Take charge of your brand. Yeah. So there was a statement that Harvey makes in the book, which... I thought could potentially be a little controversial, especially with Gen Z. So Mm. I was interested in hearing what you think about it. So Harvey says that your wardrobe will have more impact on people than anything else you do in your entire workday. What do you think about that? Yeah, I can see how that could be really controversial, especially with young people, because, you know, you should dress the way you feel most comfortable in. But I also do agree with what Harvey says here. I think you should dress the way you want to be treated. And I say that because when people don't know anything about you and they meet you for the first time, they will judge you based on how you're dressed. And I think that when you're trying to build yourself, like the way you carry yourself will leave people with with that first impression. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think that you should really put some effort in making sure that you look put together the way you feel comfortable. Yeah, I just, I thought it was quite interesting because obviously workplaces have, the dress codes become a lot more casual over the last 10, 15 years. Mm. Um, And in a lot of areas of our organization, you don't have to wear anything more dressy than like a t-shirt and jeans. Um, I've even seen in our tech office, there was someone literally wearing a onesie to work. I was like, mm. oh my God, like that, that's a bit far, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just, I think it's quite interesting because the workplace has become more casual, but then when you look at the other side of it, you could really be doing yourself a favor if yeah. you do look put together and kind of dress for the role. Yeah, think of this. Like when I was younger, right? Like if I see someone dressed in a suit, I would get the impression that they're really important or they're doing some really cool job because they get to wear the suit. So that's like, even though I don't know that person, that's the image he's giving off to me. Or she. He or she, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Bias is coming through. Um, But, you know, like I think, you know, there's like not a lot that you can control in life, but you can definitely control the way you dress. So... If you get that chance, you know, don't don't just let it go and wear your best fits every day, not just on special occasions. So now getting into the biggest and most important piece of this, which is exposure. So this is essentially getting the right people to know you and the value that you bring. So it's kind of like in the boardroom where decisions are being made and they're deciding who's being promoted Do you have someone in there who's going to support you and back you up when you're not in the room? Exactly. Like exposure is all about who knows you and will speak about you when you're not in the room, right? Like, yeah, we can't do things 
on our own. Like some of us like to be super independent, but I'm sorry to break it to you. Like we cannot do things on our own. Like we need sponsors in workplaces to help us grow in our careers. Yeah, so this is the largest piece of the pie. That sounds so stupid, (laughs) but literally the largest piece of the pie formula, because if you're a really, really exceptional performer and you've built yourself an amazing image or personal Mm. brand at work, those things only carry weight if the right people know about it. Exactly. Imagine working in a company for like 10 years and the leaders or people in influential power, I guess you can say, like they don't even know. They didn't even consider you for a promotion just because mm, they, they had no idea they had no idea that you existed. Yeah. So in terms of exposure, I think the obvious one that a lot of you are probably sick of hearing about because it's quite a difficult one to do is attending networking events. And we do actually have an episode coming up about this later in the season. But you'll be glad to know that this isn't the only way to get exposure. So to get exposure, you don't have to be super confident or extroverted or be friends with everyone in the office. There are some simple things that you can do to make sure that important people know who you are. So I'm going to go through three of my tips that I personally do to try and increase my exposure first. And then I'll hand over to you, Amandeep, to give some of your tips. So the first one, which is something I honestly put a lot of heart and soul into at work, (laughs) is organizing social events for my team. So organizing social events is a really great way to build your leadership skills without having to actually be in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great way to be able to collaborate with others across your team, show that you can take charge and like actually deliver something. And I think the really nice thing about it is that the people in your team or whoever you're inviting to the event will actually be really thankful that you've put Mm. the time and effort into planning it. Yeah. I think if you have the capacity to organize social events for your team, like, go for it. They will love you for it. (laughs) (laughs) On a similar note, something else that's really easy to do is either organizing or just participating in a volunteering activity with your team. So a lot of companies offer volunteering hours, but often the case happens where you just across the year don't end up making the time or no one ends up organizing anything and those hours are wasted. So if your company has charities that they support, volunteering can be a really great way to not only spend time giving back to the community, but also demonstrate your company values, which Mm. will then in turn help with your performance review. Hmm. I think volunteering is like the easiest anything to do with like group activities is the Mm. easiest way to speak to people outside your role and when we do things outside a role we get to network without feeling like we're actually networking because sometimes it's a bit awkward like how do I start this conversation you know this is you're kind of in that setting where you naturally have conversations with other people in different teams And sometimes, um, you know, getting through these opportunities, you get external exposure, like Mm. through volunteering activities. So that external exposure really helps with you understanding all these different opportunities that are out there. And I think that makes you like 
want to dream bigger for yourself because you're like, wow, there's so many things I can do and explore. <laughs> cool. And my third tip is you can offer to run a newsletter for this team. So if you're in a client facing role, this could be a newsletter that goes out to your clients, um, kind of showing what your team's been up to recently, any changes that have happened at the organization, anything like that. Or if you're in back office, it could be a newsletter out to your key stakeholders, kind of showing projects that your team's been working on. And again, this will be a really great way to get your name out there. And it could also be of huge value to your manager or your company, increasing their exposure as well. Hmm. So Amandeep, what do you do to increase your exposure at work? As a grad on a rotational program, I think I'm in a, such a good position to gain exposure and um, gain the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people in different organiza- uh, in different departments mm-hmm. and even within my department and within different teams. But I think it's not the best use of your time if you're literally going out to any senior person and telling them about all the work you've been doing, right? Like you need to figure out who are the key people in your department that you need to get across the work you're doing. And, you know, when I reflect my goals weekly, I ask myself if my work is visible to the right people in my department. Yeah, I think it's definitely about making sure the right people know what work you're doing. Hmm. One of the other way I have tried to gain exposure as as a grad is by doing one-on-ones with key people to share the work and my progress on the grad journey. This could be anyone who's a bit senior, but also just like with my mentors as well or with the people that I work with. Yeah, I really like that. And I think for me personally, I just get so much more value out of one-on-one conversations as well. Yeah, and just on that, like I think having mentors is really important for exposure and the relationship you have with them is also very important. So, you know, do listen to our mentoring episode to get to figure out how you can get a mentor for yourself. I think before we wrap up the episode, um, I do want to share like a personal opinion. And obviously you don't have to agree with this because this is my personal opinion on the pie. But I think that even though the pie formula places 60% on exposure, I feel like you need to figure out how this formula works for you. Like you need to have that flexibility. I think the weighting of the three parts changes as you progress in your career. So for me as a grad, I would actually give 70% to performance because I think I'm still building my baseline skills, right? Mm-hmm. And I need something there for me to actually talk about when I share people with when I share with people about my work. So I need to focus on producing work at a good level that's high quality. So that's like my main focus for now. But as I become more experienced in the industry, right? Like I can now focus on building my image a bit more. And then eventually I will get to that stage in my career where exposure is really important and I start to follow the pie formula. And I think this formula just needs to move with you as you move in your career. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like I think as a grade or someone in an entry-level role, you kind of come into corporate, like 
without the skills, right? Mm. Uni doesn't teach you how to work in corporate. Yeah. So you've got to learn a lot of that on the job. And I think the first few years totally are about just getting the baseline level of skills and learning to be good at your job. But as you do start to progress, I guess, to a manager when you're kind of less on the day-to-day stuff and more Mm. involved in like leadership and managing people. And then even beyond that into leadership positions, it absolutely is going to become more and more important to have that image and exposure piece when you kind of take a step back from Mm. the nitty gritty of the role. Yeah. But overall, I do believe that, you know, performance alone will not get you to the next stage. Yeah. Like picking the right project alone will not get you to that right stage. Getting exposure alone will not get you to that next stage, right? You need to have all three parts of the pie to work together for it to work really well. Yeah, I really hope that everyone listening got something out of today's episode because I remember back to when I first heard this concept and I just thought, oh, I can get anywhere if I just work hard. Mm. And after learning this concept, I was like, oh my God, there's so much more to it. And I'm so (laughs) glad we learned this really early on in our careers, you know, in our early 20s, because it's going to save us so much stress moving forward. Yeah, it really is the definition of working smart, right? Mm. You make sure you nail the job. But if you have the image and exposure piece, that's just going to help accelerate your career so much faster. Yeah, I think Pi is just all about having that awareness as to where to allocate your time and mm, effort. Your extra energy. Yeah. So Amandeep, what were your three key takeaways from today's episode? One, before focusing on anything, make sure that you're performing well in your role and producing great work. Because performance is the foundation for Pi before you even can get that image or exposure. Two, Pi formula needs to be fluid and the percentages need to move with you as you move through your career. Three, this is your career so you need to advocate for your work. No one will do that for you so be your biggest cheerleader. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Share with us on our Instagram page which tip you are going to take away. Disclaimer, the content in this podcast discussed today is for educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, She Takes On Corporate.